Welcome to the Hill Church Podcast. And so this last uh, week, we were blessed with being able to hear Bennett River uh, bring the Word of God to us, and he did an awesome job. Bennett is just a great guy. His relationship with Christ is very vibrant, very evident, and I would say he's a man of the Word. Uh, absolutely, and he just did a wonderful job. Uh, he also did it with a lot of humor. Bennett is just, uh, he's just a lot of fun. And he's a funny guy, and uh, he had us laughing, but also uh, what he explained from Luke chapter 11 was uh, very impactful. So let's go ahead and get into it. So we're in Luke, we're in chapter 18, uh, and we are starting down in verse 9. And Jesus is talking about two different types of prayer. Two different types of hearts, really, heart conditions, and how these two contrasting uh, heart conditions approach God. So this is what he says. He says, He told a parable to some who were trusting in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, staying by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so uh, here's a couple of points that Bennett brought out, and I thought they were very uh, solid, very right on. First of all, he looked at uh, the Pharisee's prayer, which was, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And uh, so the question is, is how do we compare ourselves with other people? We might not do this audibly so much, but we might do it more so in our thoughts. Or if you think about our Facebook um, observations or our Facebook even posts, where we look at things that other people have and go, oh, I wish I had that. Or uh, we post some things that uh, in our hearts we hope other people will, will like. And uh, it's some comparing going on there. Uh, and we're feeling either bad because we don't have what other people have or aren't, don't have the experiences or um, either material possessions, any kind of blessing that other people have. Or... Uh, we're trying to kind of show off what we have. Um, so when we list our good deeds, um, inevitably what we're doing is we are setting ourselves up to put other people down. And this Pharisee's prayer is very self-focused. I mean, he said I several times here. I thank you. I'm not like other men. Uh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get and so on. And so really the question to ask is this, is who receives glory? When we come to God in prayer, or just how we think in general, who receives glory? When we think of a course of action that we're going to take, this is a good question to ask. Any sort of decision you have to make, ask this question. Who receives the glory? If I go this way, who's going to receive the glory? If I go this way, who's going to receive the glory? And obviously we want to go in the direction that will bring glory to God. So then he looked at the prayer of the tax collector who was standing afar off and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's a few observations from his prayer. First of all, he acknowledges God in his prayer. Uh, you really can't, and this I thought was interesting, 
that uh, thing that Bennett said is you really can't um, pray a prayer like that Pharisee prayed if you're thinking about who you're talking to, if you're thinking about God. I mean, you're not thinking about God in the right light, in accordance with who he actually is, and say those things. Uh, God is huge. He is extremely powerful. He's extremely holy. And he is the king, I mean, of the universe. He is Lord. He is God. And when we're thinking rightly about him, we can't possibly pray a prayer that is is self-righteous in any way. Uh, but the tax collector's prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, he has the right view of God in mind. And he is so grieved by the recognition of his unworthiness uh, and of his sin before God, a holy God, it's actually affecting him physically. He, he's beating his breast uh, here in this, this prayer. So he acknowledges God. He also acknowledges his need for mercy. That's what he cries out for, be merciful to me. And he looks inwardly and honestly at his own life. That's what's going on there. Inwardly and honestly he's looking at himself, and he declares himself to be a sinner. This is very much like Paul. Now, Paul, he was arguably one of the greatest uh, apostles that existed. I mean, he brought the gospel to almost the whole known world at the time. And uh, he had a lot of things to boast of. He was very intelligent. He had a prominent position within Judaism and all these things. And here's what he says about... Uh, his own list of things that could bring himself glory, things that he could think well of himself for. He says this in Philippians, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, hey, if any of you think that you're great and you got this list of why you're great, I have got more. I was circumcised. Now, these are things that in his day and in his culture would have been uh, marks of praise. They'd be good deeds, right, Uh, that would distinguish him above others. Uh, Circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, like a professional, let's say. As to zeal, persecutor of the church. I was the most zealous. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had... I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or trash, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. You see what he's saying here is Paul saying, Hey, listen, I was like... I was like the best of the best in my day, and it's all worthless compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Um, So Bennett had a good example of this. He said, you know, um, he had a glass of water and put some grass in it, and he said, okay, this represents, let's say, my life or your life. Um, It's mostly pure, but it has some grass in there, you know, and I wouldn't want to drink it, but if I had to, it'd probably be okay. And uh, we can look at ourselves that way. Like, um, we, yeah, of course we've got sin, but it's not that bad. They brought another glass that had uh, water in it, but with some dirt. And uh, that one is, uh, you know, much dirtier. And we wouldn't want to drink out of that one, obviously. Well, we can look at each other in these kinds of terms. You know, maybe we're the glass with the grass in it, and we're looking at the glass with dirt in it, and we're thinking ourselves better. But here's the thing, is the standard by which we should compare ourselves is not other people. 
It's not the glass next to us that has dirt in it. The standard is Jesus himself. And so how we keep ourselves from comparing with one another is by comparing ourselves to Jesus Christ himself. And of course, we're all going to fall short then, which brings us to a place where we see our need for him. And we very much like that tax collector. We see God for who he is, and we cry out for his mercy and come to him as a child. Which brings us to the next passage. Uh, and that is this. In verse 15, Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, Bennett brought out an interesting stat here from the International Bible Society. They did a survey and found that 83% of Christians make their commitment to Jesus between ages 3 and 14. Isn't that wild? So, children's ministry, huge. Uh, Bring your kids to church. 83% of Christians make their commitment to Christ between 3 and 14. Um, You know, we can learn something from children. They have such a simple faith. Uh, they don't need a whole lot of proof. They're easily trusting. And it's that kind of faith that God really requires in order for us to be made right with Him. You know, kids, they don't have much self-righteousness or pride. They don't particularly care uh, if they need help in order to do something. And um, Marcus, or not Marcus, uh, <laughs> shoot. Bennett, he gave the example of his son, Roman, who's like 10 months old or something. And, uh, you know, Roman, he, when he needs something, he'll, he'll readily come to his dad and, and get help from his dad uh, to do something, to do that. Let's say he wants to go in another room, but there's a barrier blocking, you know, he'll go to his dad to get over that barrier to get in that other room that he wants. And he doesn't have a problem with that. In fact, he feels good about it. Um, there's no pride there, there's no self-righteousness there, and that's really how we are to come to our Father. Uh, so kids are our role models in, in, in this kind of way. Uh, we did a little exercise where I had my son, Isaiah, and he jumped off a chair into my arms. And uh, really the key to him trusting and depending on me is knowing that I'm his Father and I love him and I'm capable of catching him. And uh, it's that kind of faith that God wants us to come to him with. Um, and really that he requires. A couple other verses here, John 8, 36, it says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And true freedom is living a life in dependence on God, just like a child jumping freely into the arms of his father that is totally free from the trappings of self-righteousness or pride or anything like that, and uh, free to just enjoy relationship with God and all that that entails. Second uh, Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As we follow the Spirit in our lives, we have freedom from uh, comparing ourselves to one another, measuring ourselves by one another, self-righteousness, pride, all those kinds of things. So if there's anything uh, you could take away from this talk, it would be this. Uh, in your prayer and just in your, in your life, acknowledge God for who He is as holy, as all-knowing, all-powerful, but also as loving Father. And acknowledge your need for God's mercy 
um, and to measure yourself by the righteousness of Christ, not by uh, other people in any kind of way. Look inwardly and honestly at your own life when you come to the Lord in prayer. Uh, recognize that you're a sinner that needs grace and mercy. And live in uh, dependence, childlike dependence on God. And I promise you, He will bless you for that. Have a wonderful week, guys. We will talk to you soon. Hey!